Max? Yes, I'm here. Okay, we're live. So this is the Get You Some Productions podcast episode. I actually don't know what episode it is. I think we're up to episode 26. 26. Uh, Get You Some Productions podcast episode 26. We are a podcast covering all things related to music production from the first note to the last fan and everything in between. We create music and inspire others to do the same. And today we have a special, uh, special episode, a special guest, and this would be our second guest. Uh, and I guess technically our first interview, uh, and the, the guest is Max Christopher. So, uh, Max. Uh, hello. Hello, Max. We, we, um, we're here in uh, South Brooklyn. I guess it's fair to say that you live in South Brooklyn, right? More or less. Southern Brooklyn. Southern Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah. South so, Brooklyn so, used to be an actual neighborhood. They've renamed it for real estate purposes, but yeah. Is there, I didn't know that. <laughs> I just Did refer he, to South Brooklyn as everything that's kind of like, I just draw a line. And the area uh, that's that's now known as Gowanus, that's in oh. between Carroll Gardens and Park Slope, used to be referred to as South Brooklyn. But oh. They stopped using that name many many years ago. I didn't know that. Well, so yeah, we we do live in the southern tip of Brooklyn, and Max is what I would consider to be uh, kind of a fixture of the southern area of Brooklyn music scene. Um, the southern area of Brooklyn is kind of like a, even though Brooklyn is a, a big uh, city in some respects, um, I think the southern end of it is sort of like a small town in some ways. And so uh, in my opinion, and maybe you might correct me, I think we kind of have like a little bit of a close-knit musical community, sort of. And yeah, I consider you to be like a fixture of it. Like you're one of the local stars or something is that if you if you don't mind me saying <laughs> well that's very flattering to hear you yeah. say that but uh, uh, uh i've been around the, the music scene in lower brooklyn uh, it's going on 30 years now so, 30 years yeah yeah and, and uh, it's it's funny how like like even if we don't know each other directly like if i meet other musicians and they introduce me to other musicians who are from the area like if we don't know each other directly, we we either know people that we know or we've been in bands or jammed with other people that they know. It's very incestuous. It's, yes. Everybody's connected. So it's it's uh, it's a good thing. It is. It's a community. And like even if we, we don't know each other du- directly, we all know each other indirectly. We're all interconnected. And that mm-hmm. feels kind of good to have that. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'll And I'll praise you just a little bit more. Um, because what maybe I think you probably already know this, and this is probably the experience for a lot of people, but I'm from Brooklyn, but I didn't live here forever. I moved away for a while. And when I came back, I think in 2015, it had been several years. It had been at least three years since I played a show. Um, And before that I was performing regularly, but it had been several years since I played a show and I think it had even been several years since I've had an actual band rehearsal. And when I moved back, I found the 
when I wanted to get back into performing, I needed to sort of get back into it and, and sort of ease myself back into it. And I found your, um, your open mic that you were running. And I just thought it was like, uh, you know, I appreciate you for doing that because I know it was a labor of love for a while and it wasn't always easy to show up after work and set everything up. And, but you made it happen so often and you made it a place where people of all skill levels could come and feel comfortable. And it was really kind of a remarkable, fun thing. I say was because we're in the midst of quarantine, assuming that once this is done, it comes back right away. Yeah, that's what we're hoping. We're hoping that we can just resume back to where we left off. Yes. So, uh, so Max ran that, um, and it was every Thursday for how many years? Four years? Five years? Something? No, no, no. It was going on. We, we would have celebrated six years in May had we not yeah. been shut down. Yeah. So it's, it, it, this year when we start back up, it will be our seventh year. Yeah. It's, it was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. So, um, and so, and, and on top of that, Max um, is a great musician himself and a songwriter and has an album, uh, a great album on iTunes that I had heard your songs. We were just talking about it before we started recording. I heard your songs a ton of times <laughs> and I didn't know that you had this album and I wasn't used to hearing the arrangements. I really enjoyed listening to the album uh, before we got in, uh, got on the call and I was checking out some of the guitar stuff, and I thought it was really cool. I know you're a good guitar player as well, so um, thank you. Let's um, let's talk about so that's the intro to you, um, but this is supposed to be a podcast um, kind of to inspire people who you know are just want to produce their own music and want to be musicians and want to be songwriters and they just want to hear the stories of other people. So um, so what's Tell tell me about how you got into music. Oh, okay. Well, way, way back in the olden days when mm-hmm. uh, people were still listening to vinyl records and um, we, we used to wait uh, for your favorite song to come on the radio so you could tape record it with a cassette tape recorder. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to wait for the song to come on and then you'd have to wait until the DJ stopped talking over the intro of the song <laughs> to record the song and yeah. So uh, back back then, uh, my my brother Harry, you you remember my brother Harry? I know Harry. Yeah. So my brother Harry was uh, in high school at the time, and he was in a band, and uh, uh, I I wasn't interested in his band because uh, there was this whole dichotomy back then between disco and rock. So you uh-huh. either like disco or rock, but you couldn't like both. You had to pick a side. <laughs> And uh, it's interesting because a lot of the musicians that I wound up performing with later on uh, who grew up in the 60s told me that it was the exact same thing, but with the Beatles and the Stones. So you had to like <laughs> either the Beatles or the Stones. You couldn't mm-hmm. like both. So you, could, you, like, you, could, you had to pick a side. Mm-hmm. So it, was, yeah. it was the same way when I was a kid, but it was with disco and rock. Mm-hmm. So uh, I like disco, and I, I want because I want I I wanted to be uh, considered one of the cool kids because mm-hmm. that's the, the cool kids you know listen to disco in my neighborhood. Hell yeah! And the nerds listen to rock. So I, that's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's really it's true. So so that, that that's that's what was going on in my neighborhood. It was the the height of the Saturday Night Fever era with uh, mm-hmm. you know the guys with the bomber jackets and the DA haircuts. 
and uh, the designer jeans. So I wanted to be one of those kids. You know? Sure. And uh, my brother hung out with, you know, the rockers, and, and that was his thing. So uh, I, I didn't want to be influenced by my brother. I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to do music, but I wanted to do music my own way. Mm-hmm. But uh, that all changed when I went to see my brother's uh, band perform at the Battle of the Bands in the high school. He went to Sheepshead Bay High School, and okay. uh, they used to have a Battle of the Bands. Yeah. And I, I knew, remember those. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this was 19, I'm trying to remember, I think it was either 1979 or 1980. And uh, yeah, it was, it was actually, yes, it was 79 or, or 80, like 79 into 80, that school year. Okay. And um, uh, so I knew everybody in my brother's band because they were his friends. And, you know, I was friendly with them too. You know, they're a bunch sure. of group, good, good group of guys. So I went to see them play at this Battle of the Bands and they won. And uh, it was, it was uh, I, just, I just remember how, how great it was a feeling. It's like, hey, my, my brother, that's my big brother. I was really proud of my big brother that day. Uh-huh. So a couple of months later, they had another battle of the bands on the other high school, the Madison High School, which is the other side of the neighborhood. And they won that one too. But wow. before, they, before they, they, they were that good, the band was so good. What was the name every, of the band? The name of the, they called themselves The Illusions. And okay. uh, but the, the name wasn't a permanent name because supposedly there was already another band in existence that had the same name, so they were totally using that. it as a temporary name. They didn't really have a permanent name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, every single one of them was immensely talented. They had a lead singer who sounded like David Gates from Bread. I mean, he had the exact same voice. He was, I don't know. Was, I don't know Bread. Uh, you'd you'd know them if you heard them. They have a lot of soft rock radio hits. Okay. Uh, like Baby, I'm a Want You, and If a Picture Paints a Thousand Words, uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You'd know the songs if you heard them. Okay. They, they play in elevators and supermarkets all over the world. <laughs> and, uh, it's the, uh, it's the perfect. It's called, called Bread. <laughs> the guitar player was great, and the drummer was great. Everybody in the band was just great. Like, yeah. Individually, they were great, and then they had a great uh, chemistry together. But what really got me was, and I love telling this story, especially when my brother's on stage with me, because my brother and I still perform together after 30-something, almost 40 years. Mm-hmm. My brother and I are still performing together. And uh, was the, uh, when the, the singer came out, to, stepped out to sing that first song at that second battle of the bands, at the Madison High School Battle of the Bands, all the girls went up to the front of the, all his friends from the school, from his school. Mm-hmm. The girls went up to the front of the stage, and they all threw roses at him. <laughs> I love telling the story because that was when I decided that's what I wanted to do. That's, yeah. what I, that's where I wanted to be. Yeah, and, makes sense. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to be that's the guy the that all the girls threw roses at. Yeah, that's the spirit of rock and roll right there. <laughs> yeah. So the, that's, that's the year. That was 1980 when I decided to pick up the guitar. And I didn't even know I wanted to be a guitar player. I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I just wanted to, I wanted to immerse myself in rock and roll. And mm-hmm. I um, uh, befriended somebody later that year who lived a block away from me, and he was also a guitar player. So between mm-hmm. him and my brother, I just picked stuff up by learning. I never took a formal lesson or, mm-hmm. or, or any type of uh, training or any type of uh, musical education. Yeah, I just Wait. picked up. Uh, Did uh, you uh, never take a formal lesson? Ever, never, ever? Never oh. took a formal lesson. Yeah. And, and we have a middle brother, my brother Harry and I. We have a brother that's in between us in age. 
and he took piano lessons in the house. He basically mm-hmm. saved up. He 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 uh, uh, worked after school and saved up money to buy a piano, and and uh, uh, t- and he paid for his own lessons. And so I learned music theory and the basics of of the piano from him, and then I learned oh. the guitar from Harry and my best friend. So that's really, really what started the whole thing. And then I started listening to different kinds of music. I started listening to progressive rock. I started listening to acid rock. I started listening to uh, what was considered heavy metal at the time. ACDC uh-huh. was considered heavy metal at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and Judas Priest, ACDC and Judas Priest I had another one of our mutual friends, my, my best friend from school, our other mutual friend. She's the one who turned us on to all that stuff, Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and yeah. you know all of that stuff that was happening at that time, and uh, so I had this really really wide range of music that I was mm-hmm. delving into. So I, I, and, and I I never really knew where I would fit into any of that, but I just liked it all and I wanted to do it all. Cool. That's what started me off. Do you remember the first song you ever learned the guitar? Um, well, I initially started playing bass. I wanted to play bass because I, oh. I, I thought it was easier because it was only four strings and you only <laughs> play one string at a time. So, right. I, I, so it was kind of like narrowing down my options. You know, when I first wanted to be a musician, I first wanted to be a drummer. And yeah. uh, but my mom wouldn't buy me a drum kit. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that killed that. So I just basically picked up what was in the house. And my brother had a bass in the house. Well, he had more than one bass in the house because he was using one for the band and he had one that he wasn't using and he allowed me to use it as long as I agreed to pay him off. You know, <laughs> so I had to pay, pay off the, the bass guitar and uh, I practiced on it. I think the first, uh, and I did everything by ear. So I would sit by, this, by the radio and I would try to play along to the songs on the radio. And I think the first bass line that I learned on my own was Money by Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. And because it was, it was so distinct. You know, you heard the bass line. The bass line was the whole song, and mm-hmm. I, I gravitated towards songs like that, where the bass line dominated the song. Of course, that was the first yeah. one that kind of reached out and grabbed me. Was money, and um, and it's uh, an odd time signature as well. So it's kind of a funky, well. That's the thing. Really is, distinctive. I yeah, I, I I knew enough theory. She knew that I was skipping a beat every other measure, but I didn't mm-hmm. really know what it was, how to, re- how to refer to it. I didn't know mm-hmm. what that was called. I didn't know that they called that alternating measures. So. Yeah. Well, I still don't know what that's called, <laughs> alternating measures. <laughs> Do you, so you named a lot of bands when you, when you said about uh, what you were listening to at the time. What do you think your biggest influences are now or, or oh. were at the time or both or both? At the, t- at the time, I was really into progressive type. I, I really liked the flashier stuff. Mm-hmm. I liked Yes and I liked Rush. Yeah. Those are the two bands I think I liked the most when I first mm-hmm. started playing. And I think I wanted to be a bass player like Chris Squire or Getty Lee. Sure. And I'm really not that caliber. <laughs> I never was. <laughs> there never was that caliber of a bass player. But I tried. I tried really, really hard to be yeah. that kind of a bass player. Steve Harris. And, uh, you know, from Iron Maiden, I, try, I tried to play all that stuff, and I just, I just couldn't get there. When, when did you switch More to like a Roger Waters bass player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it, well, 
I, I'm, I'm thinking about the baseline from roundabout, which is like, what the hell is that anyway? It's just like, mm. is it all 16 notes? <laughs> no, it's, he lays down a groove, but what he does is, is he throws that little flurry in there. And yeah. um, uh, it's, it's the same thing with, with Getty Lee. They're like, he'll, he'll, he'll have this groove going, but then every now and then they throw in those little flurry of notes you know, just to kind of, you know, give the audience something. And um, I, I was, it, it just, it really always, it always hit me in the right spot, all of that stuff. Mm. Uh, and when did you switch to guitar? It wasn't that long after. I mean, I c- continued to be a bass player throughout the 80s, but I picked up the acoustic guitar and I started uh, uh, learning how to play the acoustic guitar little by little. It was mm-hmm. maybe a few years later. Mm-hmm. Like so, maybe maybe about two years later that I started learning more on the acoustic guitar, um, and that's when I started writing songs. I think I was fifteen when I wrote my first song. Really? Yeah. Is it one of the ones you play now, or would I not know it? Or is it no, 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 no. Um, I think I trash bin. It's I don't know. If, I would say the trash bin. Maybe there's just a a time and a place for it. I see. You can tell. <laughs> You could tell that it was written by a very depressed 15-year-old. Yeah. So Sometimes the, those are the best songs. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't always suit me. You know, as now, now I'm going to be 54 this year, you know, to sing yeah. a, you know, this depressed teenager song. So, uh, but uh, it might come up in the future. I've done it at least once. I, I may days. request it. <laughs> the yeah. next time I see you in person, I may have to request that song. <laughs> okay. All right. Deal. If you um, so so actually, this is something that I was curious about when I was listening to your album. I heard inflections in your voice that were almost like like R and B ish or soulish, like where you had these like these like um, at the end of a phrase, you had like a little like a lick or a line, a vocal inflection, but it was like it was like a fast turn that was more akin to like a soul singer or like a Stevie wonder type of thing, like a funkish thing. And I was like, Oh man, I didn't know Max was like doing that kind of stuff. But what is that? Is that, is that just your own thing or did you get, were you influenced by that kind of music? Well, yeah, definitely influenced by that. Uh, Like I said, when I started off uh, wanting to be a musician or wanting to be, basically wanting to be a pop star, Uh my, my favorite voices, were, and I'm glad you brought up Stevie Wonder because it was Marvin Gaye, Michael uh-huh. Jackson, and Stevie Wonder. Yeah. So w- when, when, I, when I first decided that I wanted to be a singer, I think those three voices inspired me the most. Uh-huh. I think I yeah. draw most of my influence from those three singers. Uh-huh. I could hear that. Well, so this, is, this, is, um, this podcast is, is sort of meant to be sort of inspirational to music creators. And so what I'd like to get into a little bit is your, your songwriting process, if you can. Do you have a process? Some people don't. Some people, and for me, I'll tell you, I'll be, I'll be uh, transparent with mine. My process is no process. It's just completely haphazard. And songs just pop out. Every once, every couple of years, a song just pops out. But do you, so, but your songs are, um, they seem to be steeped in like a songwriting tradition. So you have like the form and you have melodies and such. 
so it seems like I don't know. I'm just kind of guessing that you have a process maybe for it, or or what is it, or what can you share about how you get inspired or anything like that. Well, I haven't really written anything in so long, but I, I uh, it's it is it's an organic process. It's like I can't say I know I know other songwriters who have methods and they have. Uh, mm-hmm. methods where they'll sit down, they'll say, I want to write a song about, and they'll sit down, and they have this process for writing songs. I, I, I'm like you. I don't really have a process. What happens is, with me, it's a more organic thing. Uh, I like to spend a lot of alone time with my instrument, and mm-hmm. in that alone time, whether it's the acoustic guitar, and it's, lately it's been a lot more on the electric guitar, and uh, what I'll, I'll do is I'll just I'll hook into something. I'll find a little progression you know and if i like it i'll try to build on it Uh if it builds into like a a format you know something that i can format where like i have an a part and a b part and i can go back and forth between those if if i hear a melody while i'm doing that you know i try to hum along a melody over it and then the words come last so Uh and then and then the title is last. i have another songwriter friend of mine who writes the title of the song first and then everything else comes after that. Mm-hmm. Like he'll he'll pick a topic. Like I want to write a song about love. You know, I want to write a song about uh, the human spirit. I want to write a song about nature. And and then it comes. Everything else comes from there. Whereas me, it's just it starts with a chord or a few chords. And then once I figure out what key I'm in, I try to I try to do this progression that I something that I can switch back and forth like a progression. And then a second part that I could switch back and forth. Uh-huh. It, yeah, it's a very organic process. I kind of try to let the songs write themselves because uh-huh. if I take, if I take, I feel I always felt like if I took too much control of the process, like uh-huh. if I would ruin that, I would kind of ruin it. So um, in, in the past, when I tried to write a lot of songs, you know, I wound up discarding a lot of them because they weren't really worth singing. Uh-huh. And, uh, uh, my own worst critic, so that makes it even worse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think but, that's uh, also very typical for songwriters. Uh, I have I, the same experience, yeah. <laughs> sort of. But I think ideas yeah. take ideas take a, a long time to bake. So I have a couple of progressions that I've come up with, like in the past year or two, especially mm-hmm. in the past year because I've been home, uh, working from home, uh, mm-hmm. and I have a lot more time to to. Uh, to sit alone with my instruments, and, and uh-huh. uh, I've been coming up with a lot of stuff. I just haven't been coming up with, haven't really been in, uh, nothing has been inspiring melodies or or vocals or, or lyrics. Uh-huh. That's my that's that's my weak point is lyrics. Uh-huh. Because uh, I'll write lyrics and I literally hate them the next day I write them and I'll just throw them <laughs> and I'll start over again. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm, t- I'm terrible with lyrics. And the the thing is is it's, it's probably that like, they're probably not bad, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm just I'm horrible with lyrics. It, it takes mm-hmm. a lot of like Joni Mitchell she says it takes a lot of meditation to be able to write lyrics, and I think that's that's where I lack I lack focus, and mm-hmm. uh, anything that helps me focus or helps me center is going to help me help the lyric writing process. The mm-hmm. last time I the last time I wrote a song, I had the music and I had like like part one. For, a couple of years, like maybe two years. And then I had mm-hmm. to be alone with the guitar in the mountains for a couple of hours. And then the lyrics just came to me. Mm-hmm. It was the easiest thing in the world. Boom, they were there. 
But mm-hmm. in less than 10 minutes, I had the whole song finished. Yeah, I, I can sympathize with that. I, that's that's been my experience too, where I'll I'll have a first verse for a year or two, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I'm thinking my most recent song or one of my most recent songs, I had, I think a one line or something, and then it all came spilling out on a plane ride, and wow. you know it was and it's really funny that you mentioned that you have to have. You have to be forced into that focus or, or the being up in the mountains facilitated the focus because you were, it's kind of like it, it strips away all the other, I guess, distractions of life. Exactly. And sort of that's what happened to me when I was on the plane. There was like nothing else for me to do. You know, I could have read the, whatever was in the back pocket of the thing or I could have been flipping through my phone or something, but it just all of a sudden the rest of the song popped out. You know, I don't, I don't remember the exact circumstances, but it's it's, um, it's interesting. I think I think a lot of songwriters, you know, aspiring songwriters probably would take heart in that. You know, sometimes you just have to let it come. You know, if you if you force it, it's going to be. You know, it might it might come out a little you know clumsy or it won't come out right or something. Yeah. You know. Exactly. So there's a song on my album. It's called Fresh Chrome. Uh-huh. That's that's uh, that's the album that's available on Spotify and iTunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a song on that album called If I Could. Yeah. And what I had was I had that opening riff, which is really kind of a ripoff of um, Mother Nature's Son, the Beatles, yep. the White Album. Yep. And I, so I came up with that riff, and I was like, eventually I'm going to do something with that with that riff. Mm-hmm. And I kind of put it on the side, and I didn't really. I literally woke up out of a dream one morning and I had the melody playing in my head. And so it's like, I woke up out of a dream. It's like, wait a minute, that fits over that riff that I just did. And I went and I picked up the guitar. The, the song was almost, was finished in less than 15 minutes. The entire song. And there's only, there's only one part in the song. And there's, mm-hmm. there's this, that tiny little middle eight, you know, mm-hmm. that, that uh, I, I, I don't even know how that came. That wasn't even part of the original plan. And I don't know where that came from, but it just broke the song up perfectly. That's yeah. a perfect example. If you listen to that song, it was just that opening riff that I had. That's all I had. And then yeah. I, for some reason, I was dreaming. It was playing over and over in my head, I guess, while I was kind of half dreaming and half awake. And yeah. that's when the melody came to me. So you never know when it's going to come. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hilarious story because you, you say that you were initially inspired by Mother Nature's son. And that story is such a Paul McCartney story because I think that's the story of yesterday. He dreamed the whole thing start to finish. Is that, am I getting that wrong? Or I, I haven't it, heard that story, but that's a pretty, pretty interesting story. Yeah, yeah. So, so listen, here's the last question um, for you. Uh, because I think like we've talked about your beginnings, talked about your process. Now, where, what are your plans now? What are your dreams now? Are you working on anything? Are you um, love thinking about doing second. something? Yeah, I'd love to record a second album. I have a bunch of material, like I said, that needs to be finished. Mm-hmm. Um, once I start the recording process, it'll, it'll enable me to finish some of the things that I've had on hold. Uh, I've, I've uh, been involved in so many different things because I play in a cover band and I was doing the original Thursdays, the, the open mic that you're talking about, it's actually, it was an original showcase. 
and that's how we started off. We wanted to showcase all the original right. talent in the neighborhood and then mm-hmm. it morphed into half original showcase, half open mic, just to bring people in the doors. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's actually how that started. So I kind of put my own original projects on the side so I could do that and I could perform my, my, uh, my cover band. So now I'm involved in three different cover band projects, uh, mm. which once everything opens back up, I'm going to be uh, uh, occupied, preoccupied with that. So it would mm-hmm. be nice if I could uh, use this time. I, I've also spent a lot of spare time uh, uh, tinkering with my gear, modifying my guitars and my amps. And uh, it's, that's a love for me now. You know, mm-hmm. I love my equipment and I love being able to tweak it and make it sound how I want. And so uh, it would be great if I could have a shop where I could still tweak, tweak and tinker uh, with mm-hmm. my gear, as well as uh, do some more original music and work with some more of the fantastic musicians who ha- I've had the pleasure of working with. Uh, right now, um, uh, the, the, I don't know if you remember the uh, Max's Wheelhouse. Yes. Yeah, so, so that's Vinnie LaRussa and uh, Gino Scelza. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen I haven't seen them in a year. It's like a, I, I barely even speak to them now. And Vinny recorded his own uh, album just recently, and, and he's getting into that. And mm-hmm. Maybe maybe he can give me a hand uh, when he's done uh, get, getting my stuff. His recordings are fantastic. If there's anybody who I want to help <clears throat> me record my album, it would be him. Oh, that's so good to know. Him. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, uh, and he's knowledgeable, and he's he's got all this equipment, and he's got access to all these other really really great engineers and, and performers. So it's really great uh, to have a friend like that with all those resources, you know. And uh, we respect each other musically, and, and um, it's a great relationship that we have. So um, and out of the blue, which we've been together for 20 years, uh, we, we we don't perform as much as we used to, but we're still out there. We're still a neighborhood staple. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other band I just recently joined was my brother's band, Pushing Sixties, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's all music from the sixties or mm-hmm. early seventies, like up until the early seventies. And it's all the stuff that made me, you know, really want to be a rock star. All of that stuff. And I, I really, really love playing all that stuff: the Beatles, the Stones, the Kinks, the Who, the uh, um, you know, the American artists too. You know. Uh, it's, it's and it's this you know array array of like British invasion and early album rock. It's 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 a real thrill for me to play that music and it's my brother too. So I get a chance to sing and perform with my brother, which I love doing. So mm-hmm. yeah. So that's well, what I, I have. I, that's that's what I have on my plate right now, and it feels really good that I'm in this place in my life. At this, I stage. I love um, seeing your your gear tinkering on Facebook because I know you have all those awesome guitars. And I love when you post videos of just testing out the new guitars and playing riffs through your amps and stuff. It's like really, I mean, obviously I'm a guitar nerd. So, you know, I love seeing that, but you've done a lot of work on your guitars and I really think they, they're like awesome guitars. <laughs> it's, just so fun. it's so fun to just, you know, nerd out on gear. Yeah. Which we did once before, because you helped me with my tube situation, because I have that PV Classic 30. And how's and the you... tubes working out for you? They're great. It sounds great. It's good. Yeah. yeah. A, a tube change can make all the difference in the world. I know. And and I, now yeah. I'm thinking about speakers. I'm thinking about um, swapping some speakers. Not only on that, but I have a 1972, 73, I'm not sure, um, 
Vibrochamp, Fender Vibrochamp, okay, that I've been playing a lot lately. And I don't love some aspects of the sound just because it's a small amp and it's a small speaker. But I've heard that sometimes a new speaker, if you get the right one, can do wonders for that amp. Well, I, I realize, have, yeah. I, not only do I have a drawer full of uh, spare tubes, I also have a, a hallway full of spare speakers. So <laughs> you want to pick one and try it out, you know, just, yeah. just let me know. Yeah. So I'll tell you what, I, uh, I want to just say one more time that, uh, first of all, I listened to your album and I thought it was great and I knew all the songs and I especially loved hearing them, hearing different arrangements of them. And we'll, we'll include a link in the podcast show notes so everybody can go listen to it. And I look forward to hearing another album when it, when it, when it comes. And my, uh, I guess my offer to you is you're welcome to come on the podcast anytime. If you ever want to just, you know, bullshit about music or you want to update uh, me and the audience, which by the way, our audience is like next to no, no people. <laughs> so you, it's, but that, you know, we're just getting started, so it's fine. And um, I don't mind. Original Thursdays <clears throat> is like that at once too. So. Right. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think, um, you know, maybe a couple months now, from now or six months from now and see how you're doing. See, uh, see if you've made any progress on the album or if you've written any more songs. We'd love to hear them. Well, let's and, give a uh, shout out. Well, well, before I forget, let's give a shout out to Greenhouse Cafe in Brooklyn yes. on Third Avenue because they're the guys who not only do they book all the neighborhood bands, but they're, they're the ones who lend us the space to do our original Thursday show. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I want to just put, put a shout out to them because they've been really great. Uh, and they, they actually, I spoke to them around Christmas time, and they said as soon as everything opens up, they want to resume Original mm -hmm. Thursdays again. And it's become an, a, a neighborhood staple, another event in the neighborhood that's a, a constant. And uh, it just really feels good. Yeah. You know, actually, so I'll piggyback on that, as a matter of fact. Good. So I was going to say that I, that I want to just appreciate you again, because when you were talking about your cover bands, I'm reflecting on the fact that this neighborhood and possibly the, you know, all of music, especially local music scenes um, are cover band focused, but you really stepped out and made a difference for people who were trying to make original music. And I can't, there, there, for many years, there wasn't another venue for that really locally, except if you had a band that was very established you know, and then maybe you could get in at one of the other bars or something. But you really, you know, did something great for music. So, you know, I appreciate you for that. Uh, I like to think that. Thank you. That's really yeah. nice to hear. Thank yeah, you. It, it, made, it actually made a big difference in my life because I was playing anywhere and I was so rusty and I hadn't really played my songs out. And it was really, I needed some place to like, I needed, you know, a helping hand. And you gave it to me. So that was great. But you and for so many other of, people, you were one of our one of our regular performers. You were actually one of my personal favorite performers. I liked your songs. <laughs> there was Thank a you. point where I was starting to recognize, and so like when you start to sing the songs, I'd kind of start singing along with you. Yeah, uh, and I well, that was a lot of people's experience. I feel like, 
You know, I think like there are a lot of people who came and played their songs, and after a while, I started to get to know people's songs, and it was great. So I and I look forward to, and that's kind of like maybe what I'm trying to do with this podcast a little bit is sort of maybe we can, you know, maybe there's another venue or avenue where we can help each other even more, you know. Um, but just getting the word out and sharing stories is is kind of half the battle in some respects too. So. I'm hoping that once everything opens up, that there's going to be a boom and uh, <laughs> some 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 renewed interest in in live performing because uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that we all could use could use the energy from that to yeah. help us get through this. Yeah, I agree. All right, Max. So um, check out Max on um, iTunes and Spotify. We'll put the links in. Anything else you want to plug? Um, like, yeah, right, right now, like I said, I have, I have a, a reverb and an eBay shop that I like to, to sell, uh, uh the, um, uh, you know, the, the gear that I, I buy and sell gear that I tinker with. But right now the, uh, the, the inventory isn't uploaded, but, hmm. uh, yeah, the, the, the reverb store is called Max's Goodbye Sell. And, uh, I don't even know what I'm called on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> but if you see the stuff on there, you, it's the same stuff on eBay. So if you see the same stuff on eBay, it's, that's me. Okay. Yeah. So if you want, if, before I, this podcast won't come out for a few weeks at least. So feel free to just shoot me links and I'll put them in the right. show notes. I, I also have a YouTube channel, which I want to start up and, uh, and start uh, doing some more videos on my YouTube channel. Definitely. It's, it's just Max Christopher. Okay. YouTube. Yeah, so send me the link because people will, you know, people will go into the show notes if they want to check it out and then click on it. So. Great. Great. All right. Then. Absolutely. Dude, so thank you so much. This is Thank you great. for having me. It was me. so fun. And, you know, you're, of course, welcome back. So, you know, when if you get, if you're itching to come back, just shoot me a text, obviously. But when, when we're <laughs> ready, we'll, we'll also do the same. <laughs> Maybe Thank I'll you. see you in person before then. Who knows, you know? Thank you. Thanks, Max. Take care.